Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast daily. Happy hump day from the whole crew. It's that time. It's a Wednesday conversation that we're gonna we're gonna dive right into just football only. No shenanigans today, right? I promise. I'm gonna mm. keep it normal. Uh, probably not. I don't think that's that's gonna work because it's my last show for the week. Uh, Bill Landis and Berm um, leave uh, those two guys to handle it the rest of uh, Thursday and Freaky Friday as I head down to Disney. Uh, that's probably enough conversation about my vacation. I've done that all week, but uh, that's the only thing I've been allowed to think about in my house. So today, instead, for at least a brief period of time, we're going to talk about the 2024 NFL draft and Bill, some pretty wild projections for Ohio State. Yeah, so there are like two conversations I think that need to be had here. And the first is, how big do you think the draft class is going to be? And the second is, then what does that mean for Ohio State uh, this fall? Because uh, there are some trends with teams that have classes this large that uh, would create some fairly lofty expectations for Ohio State if the number for this class is as big as as we think it could be, which is um, you know potentially flirting with Ohio State's own program record of fourteen draft picks uh, in in one year. So uh, I don't know how we want to do this. If we want to like go through and say <laughs> how many we think are going to get picked or how many first rounders there are, but uh, there's a lot to dive into. I think the most interesting thing about those two conversations, Bill, is how they are almost directly tied to one another. Because to me, like one guy, if he gets drafted next year, the expectation for this season goes completely different. And that's Kyle McCord. If mm-hmm. Kyle McCord is in the draft class next April, then the Ohio State 2023 football season should have ended with the national championship. And if, and that, I don't, I don't know that it should be that sort of pressure or that sort of uh, link between the two, but I think it really does come down to that. When we were, yeah, I mean, that having an NFL quarterback changes the projection for everything. That's, I think that that almost goes without saying, but it, it would add to the urgency for Ohio State if we're talking about two, three handfuls of guys, 15, 16 NFL draft picks, and if you and one of them is the quarterback, and Ohio State doesn't win, doesn't win in the big house, doesn't win a Big Ten championship, doesn't get back to the college football playoff, doesn't win a national championship. This is one of those rare times, which I don't I hate doing this, but like everything is in place where this is really a, a spot where Ohio State can, fans could say I know their expectations are always championship or bust, but this is one of the first times where I can be like, I can kind of see that even as hard as it is to win one and that no one should ever expect that to actually happen uh, because of the challenge. Like, I, I can almost get behind it. The urgency for Ryan Day has to be there, the urgency for the coaching staff, and then these guys that we're going to talk about for their draft stock, none of it has really been proven with on-field success in the most meaningful games. So if it doesn't come together this year, then that would be a real disappointment for the Buckeyes. I think there there's two, like there's a secondary conversation that's tied, I think directly to the next draft and, and to Ohio state's roster that I find interesting. And I, I don't know, there's probably not enough data to, to have a, a firm answer on it now, but I maybe am curious on Berm's perspective on this. So the class that is becoming draft eligible is the 2021 recruiting class which like didn't have a real cycle of recruitment. A lot of them didn't have senior high school football seasons. It is probably just because of those circumstances, the poor, most poorly evaluated recruiting class that we have had um, because people just couldn't get eyeballs on them. Um, they're only two years into it. And I don't know if you thought about this, so I apologize for putting you on the spot, but like, 
Do you feel like you've seen any of that play out on the field? Like, are there guys in the 2021, not even just at Ohio, at Ohio State, but like across college football? Like, do you think to yourself, hmm, like the fact that these guys weren't evaluated the same way other recruiting classes were is showing up a little bit on the football field? I actually think, all things considered, it's been pretty amazing how well they were evaluated when you look at quarterbacks like Drake May or JJ McCarthy, when you look at, um, you know, players at Ohio State like JT Tumaloa, who was obviously a basketball player, for, you know, almost first and foremost in fo- in high school. When you look at a player like Emeka Abuka, when you look at Travion Henderson, I mean, your question is is pretty important, I think, though, in the big picture, especially at Ohio State, because so many of these guys haven't played football, and yet th- we're talking about them in terms of being a potential first-round pick from a year from now. And how... Ohio State in that class, which was the number two ranked class in the country for the Buckeyes in the class of 2021, they had seven five-star prospects in that class, which is a huge number. At the time, it was the most ever uh, that anyone had ever had until A&M in the class of 22 had like, I think, 13 or something. And then all 13 of those guys have left their program by now. (laughs) But um, it, it feels like Ohio State, all things considered, did a pretty great job evaluating that class. Now, I think the interesting conversation is why weren't more of those guys integral in the offense and defense a year ago? And some of that was injuries when you talk about defense with Jordan Hancock and Denzel Burke. Some of that was positionless or wrong position football with Jack Sawyer. But Trayvon Henderson being hurt, Evan Pryor being hurt, Kyle McCord obviously didn't need to play a year ago, but Marvin Harrison and Mecca Abuka, like these guys have all already made an impact at Ohio State. So it's not like it, they were waiting for someone to really pop from that class. It's like now they are the total focus. And then you add McCord into that mix and it becomes a very 2021 heavy uh, roster heading into the season as far as impact uh, on the program. I think it is also interesting when you talk about the the expectations going into this year, you maybe get a sense of why Ohio State, even though they knew C.J. Stroud was going to be a top three pick in the draft, was so adamant to try to get him to come back for one more year. Because if you add C.J. Stroud back into this mix with everything else, mm. it, it is. A, and they were close. I mean, you know, reality is there was there was real conversation about C.J. coming back until the last minute. So uh, you can see, like, awesome when you say everything lines up in this season. Like, everything lines up, but you have a first-time starting quarterback that's going to be forced to play on the road at Notre Dame, at Michigan, uh, at, at Wisconsin, uh, at Wisconsin. Like that is, that's the one area where you're like, if Kyle McCord makes that step and he's a guy that we're talking about eight months from now as a first round pick, the season couldn't have gone better for Ohio State. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably from the outside an unfair amount of expectation to heap on Kyle McCord's shoulders. Although that is, the standard if you're going to be the starting quarterback at Ohio State and surrounded by this much talent. I, I think that that's one part of it. I think what registered for Bill's question as you were answering for me, Ohio State is, it seems to me, able to evaluate relatively easy, easier when it comes to 2021 and pure athleticism. Like They were picking from the best athletes in the country and most people had a general consensus who that was. Then the secondary part is, well, did they contribute as much as might have been expected in year one or year two? You brought that up and, and several reasons for that. But a lot of them didn't get to play a year of high school football that was removed from them. They weren't able to train in some of those off seasons. Like they're, they're missing a huge chunk of development. Uh, that even applies to somebody who had early success like Travion Henderson and uh, injuries and missing some of that time that make you a better football player through those reps is important. As you go down the list, that 
that includes guys who actually played a lot of football like Lathan Ransom. That includes guys who are trying to play a new position like Cameron Martinez. Like it's hard to generalize it, but there is, I think the evaluation for Ohio State was probably as straightforward as it could have be if could be if you're just taking from the cream of the crop, at least in the recruiting rankings and general measurable skills, and then actually translate to the football field. That was the part that like nobody could really catch up or account for. Uh, like Wyoming or Air Force or someone in the Mountain West probably gonna have a much harder time if they're just having to guess and flip a coin on whether they want to take somebody. Ohio State probably didn't feel like it was in that tough of a spot in terms of evaluation. It does with with only two years of of data to go off of. It does feel like they they largely got that right. I think it's it's a it's a larger picture question. I think to look at what, once this draft comes and goes, how many of those guys were actually hits? The guys that were ranked. The guys were ranked in spots that that correspond with first, second, third round draft picks, and whether or not the recruiting services got those got those correct, I think will be interesting. But as it pertains to Ohio State, it does feel like they they did get it by and large correct. But it also it sets the table for let's let's say a lot of that class is three and done, and they don't win a national championship with that class. It's like you you did not maximize the what you could argue is the best recruiting class that they've had in the modern era or like the second best class, at least stacked up next to 2013. So um, it puts a, it puts a different tenor, I think on, on this year. And and the, the um, trend that I alluded to is like, there have been, let's, I think you can, we'll, we'll run through it. I guess you can comfortably project this, class being a, a dozen players and, and if, if not more than that, but I think you can get to a dozen rather easily. Um, there have been five other classes of that size since 1994 when the draft went to seven rounds, all of them won national championships. Hmm. So that's no pressure, no pressure, yeah. Buckeyes. Yeah. I mean, no we, we talked yeah. about it. We talked about it briefly at roosters a week ago. Like I, I think I could get to double digits just on offense. And so if, if you really look at how this could unfold, I mean, first round picks. There are there are guys who we know are first round picks in this in this group coming up. That's Marvin Harrison. That's Emeka Buka. That's JT Tuomolowau. In my opinion, that's Michael Hall. I don't care how much football he's played. He is a first round pick next year in the NFL draft. If all you have to do is look at every single NFL mock draft that's come out, and his name is there, and that's not on accident. That is because that's what people are being told by NFL personnel. The fact that he has not been. I mean, that's a guy who remember was third string last year at the start of camp for Ohio State, a decision that I think had more people shaking their head and scratching their head at Ohio State than any one personnel decision I've seen in the last decade. He's a first-round pick. <laughs> then you have the peripheral guys like Travion Henderson, if he's healthy, the Jack Sawyers, the Donovan Jacksons. Now you're talking maybe seven first-rounders. And that's and then you have corners, like you know, obviously a premium position. If Jordan Hancock goes out and proves he can be healthy and – shows why he was the number one player on the recruiting board at Ohio State in that class. He's a first round pick. Like there there's a lot of there's a lot of wiggle room here for things to go really kind of stupid and, and I mean that in the nicest possible way uh in that class. Like you could see some really crazy things. Yeah, you could. I I don't know I'm, I try to be like, I mean, listen, we're having fun with a projection that's a year from now. Like, of course, we're going to be wrong, <laughs> but I still try to keep it within the realm of possibility. Like, I, I think like three or four first rounders is probably where I'd be comfortable saying right now. But 
the like the pool of players that could potentially be drafted like you, it doesn't take a whole lot of convincing to talk yourself into them possibly getting drafted is like 21 23 players like that's a ton. that's yeah. that's like double what it is most years and that's where it gets a little crazy for ohio state like i don't like as as nuts as it might sound to say like hey this like the, the record is 15 with georgia uh in last year's draft i think ohio state could get there and i don't i don't think it takes a whole lot of like squinting and tricking yourself to to think that they could yeah. Also, I would the only other caveat I would add to this conversation is like it's easy to throw a bunch out there and assign first round grades, but it's also much more difficult to actually become one of those mm-hmm. or a draft pick of any kind once that time actually comes. And and you can ask Ronnie Hickman and Cam Brown or even as Dewan Jones and Luke Whipler s- slid down like 90 players might get a first round grade and only 32 of them are still going to wind up being drafted in the first round. It then comes down to, you know, a whole bunch of other factors, including, you know, need and fit for NFL teams. So uh, that is something that's to keep in mind with there's these mock drafts that have eight already in there and like some have Tyleek Williams. And those to me are the ones that are like, all right, well, these guys are just naming a bunch of Ohio State players because they're they're veterans and they've seen flashes of potential, uh, but they're not really lined up in reality, um, at least not for me. And my opinion is no different than the person who made that mock draft. Like one of us could be right. Uh, one of us could be wrong. Yours is certainly more informed. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's like, I think that when we're making these cases for them and we're talking about 15, 16 players, that's everyone on of those 16 would still have to stay healthy. They would have mm-hmm. to take the next step in their development, which I think they will. This situation, which I think is in one way, very different than 2015 for that draft class for Ohio state is that, uh, they haven't accomplished anything or the 2016 draft, I guess it was, but mm-hmm. uh, they have not won a national championship yet. So those guys all did that as a sophomore. They knew that that money was coming the following year. They didn't quite have that. Maybe that same hunger, that same drive. Some of them would admit that some of them wouldn't. Some of them had different motivations. Again, I shouldn't maybe generalize it to that extent, but when it comes to this class for Ohio state, like even Marvin Harrison hasn't won a Bolitnikoff and he certainly hasn't, you know, got a, go- a pair of gold pants yet. This team is maturing physically, having multiple years of development, are clearly talented based on what we talked about already with the recruiting rankings and pure athleticism. And so I think that's the part that, to me, pushes it to the next level. If they don't put all those pieces together, given what they have and what they <clears throat> haven't accomplished, I would have serious questions about how that happened. And I, 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 that's also like ridiculous and unfair of me to say on May 10th. It's a good point though. Like if they if they would have made that field goal against Georgia and beat TCU, then the guys that are going to be drafted next year that push this class into the double digits probably would have just went two weeks ago in the NFL draft, right? Like right. Tommy Eckenberg probably would have left. Lathan Ransom, Steel Chambers, Chambers, Cade yeah. Stover, like and those are the guys now that 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 help you get from I don't know nine draft picks to to 13 or 14 draft picks in, in, in this class. And if it happens again, that they, for whatever reason, come up short, like Marvin's going to go like Marvin, Marvin's not staying, but like, well, I don't know. Donovan Jackson, does it, does it make Donovan Jackson more likely to come back? Does it make Amaka Buka, Chris Olave stayed first fourth year. Yeah, exactly. So, so th- those are the things that we can't possibly project at this point that, that really can alter how big a, a draft class is, but from a pure talent standpoint, um, this is, it feels like the most guys they've had where the NFL potential feels very real. Yeah. I mean, and it, it's, 
it, it's yeah, it's not just like make the NFL potential either. That we're talking like elite type players. And I do wonder if some of these guys who are going to be in that discussion and, and having those decisions to make um, will look at how things went for Ronnie Hickman and Dewan Jones and Luke Whippler and say, hey, maybe I need to not that, you know, I'm not going to try to put all those guys in the same category, but some of them didn't seem to take the draft process as seriously as others did. Uh, and I wonder if, if you see guys maybe take a different approach based on what uh, we saw over the last few months. But bottom line is like, Again, if we, we can go down position by position, you have Kyle McCord potentially. We have Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams and maybe Chip Trainum because just from a physical freak standpoint, if he enters the draft, he's going to get drafted. He's just too freaky not to. Um, you have Marvin Harrison and Emeka Abuka and potentially Julian Fleming and Xavier Johnson. You have Cade Stover. And potentially G. Scott, whatever. I mean, he's gonna, you know, he'll be out of his eligibility. Josh Fryer, as I've talked about already, I think Josh Fryer goes out and starts at left tackle for Ohio State and has a big year. You're talking about a guy who's going to have to make a decision. That's the way it goes. Donovan Jackson, Matthew Jones, um, Joshua Simmons. If if he has a big year as starting right tackle, like then you have that discussion. Um, obviously, J. T. Tumalolo, Jack Sawyer, Michael Hall, Tyleek Williams, Ty Hamilton. Um, all all of those guys could go pro after next year. Steel Chambers, Tommy Eichenberg, Cody Simon can all go pro. Davis and Igbenosin can't, but Denzel Burke and Jordan Hancock can, and so can Lathan Ransom, and so can Cam Martinez and Josh Proctor and and John um, Carter and John Carter. So like, we're talking crazy, and then you, you just throw in the kicker and the, the the punter. I mean, you never know with Jesse Murko. The punters get drafted now, and he's he's thirty one <laughs> years old or something. So like, you you have the opportunity for something truly bizarre to happen, and it goes back to the first point, like. If this team doesn't put it all together and do all those other things and meet all those other goals that they will acknowledge they failed to meet the last two years, all of this feels somewhat shallow and 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 hollow. It's pretty crazy hearing all, <laughs> hearing all those names because none of them off. are a far none of them are a far fetched like conversation. I don't think. No, now, like, where I, you, where they fall is different than you know getting drafted. Yeah, and it's like, you know, do I do I think Jack Sawyer's going to get drafted next year if you ask me right now? No, I don't. But could he? Certainly. Like, there's a lot, of, and there's a few guys like that. But even if you eliminate those guys, you're still talking about, like, 10 to 12 players that, like, are I think are definitely going to get drafted next year. Right. Uh, I think it's maybe that we've we've been having a lot of conversation about if the portal strategy for Ohio State has, has shifted and, and why, if so, that c- could be. I think I think in the end, it all comes down to more necessity for Ohio State rather than some cutthroat desire to change. And I think maybe the part that we haven't touched on enough is just how many people they're going to have to replace next year. So someone like being involved with Lorenzo Styles when there's not an immediate need or you know, potentially getting you know to the last couple or the finish line with Taiwan Malone. And you don't, you say, well, I think maybe Ohio State's fine at defensive tackle this year. Well, the situation is going to be very different a year from now, uh, no matter where they end up getting drafted or who goes or whatever. Um, they're going to have to have pieces that are in place with multiple seasons of eligibility to help. You you know, Josh Simmons may not be one that that sticks around, but Damus Nagbenosin would fall into that category. You'd think that both of them would play for more. Than, I mean, you'd think that Josh Simmons would stay for more than one season, but that's not a guarantee depending on what happens. But what they needed or in the past – yeah, 100%. Um, you know, what they needed in the past were guys that were purely 
stopgap uh, options, Trey Sermon, Jonah Jackson, you know, one year help us out and be a bridge. And that's not really the case that Ohio State finds itself in right now because there is this looming period where there could be massive roster turnover heading into next offseason. There could I didn't be, even mention yeah. I didn't even mention Latham Ransom. I mean, I didn't even say his name. I mean, they're all there's so many guys, like it, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, and I think they like the the discussion we've been having about the like the 2018, 2019 recruiting classes, I, I think is like doesn't apply to what they did in 21. And I think they recruited pretty well in 22, especially in the defensive side of the ball, um, to maybe soften the blow of losing a big class if they do lose a, a big class ne- next spring but it does put a premium on finding transfers with multiple years of eligibility um like davis and igbenosin like it, that that I, at the time of adding him i didn't think of him in that context but i just thought like they needed a corner because their corners weren't very good last year and the numbers were late but now it's like oh yeah like they got two years of him like book like bank two years of him that they're probably going to need because it's very pl- plausible that they could lose I think they're going to lose one. They could lose two. And then you're like kind of back to square one in a similar position you were this time last year where you're looking at the corner numbers and you're like, like oh boy, this could get hairy. Um, a guy with two years of eligibility, at least, and Iguanosin, like becomes all the more important. It's also why Berm has said that Ohio State needs to sign like 40 guys in this class. Yeah, it needs to, the 24 recruiting class needs to be 25, 26, 27, maybe 28 people. And then you start to look to just fill in the gaps in the transfer portal. And I would imagine that even though Ohio State's been much more active in the transfer portal this go around than they ever have been in the last couple of years, that's going to even go up next December and January because they're going to fight out have to be. You're going to have to be able to go out and get ready to go, ready to contribute, guys. Can I, uh, before we wrap up, can, can, can I put you all on the spot? How many draft picks do you think they're going to have next year? I was just going to say we can't do this show and then like just completely punt. Like, no, yeah. sorry. Just because we think it's dumb uh, and these numbers are going to be wrong, we're going to pass on it. No, we have to look dumb and say what it's going to be. That's right. And be wrong. I'll be dumb first. I'll be dumb first. Uh, <laughs> I think they're going to have 13 and four first round picks. Hmm. Berm's doing the math over there. Look at the gears spinning. It's incredible to watch. I think it's going to be 16 and mm. I think and I think five first round picks. I like it. You have to name all the first round picks. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm just, t- I'm just kidding. No, I, I I will though. I think Marvin Harrison, Emeka Abuka, Donovan Jackson, Michael Hall, and JT Tumaloa will be first round picks. I had four of those five, and not Donovan Jackson. I think Believe he's going to have a big year. I just think he's going <laughs> to have a big year. Didn't have a didn't have the offensive lineman in there. That's the upset of the week. Although, I mean, guards, how high are they really going to go? Like, that's not a position right. that the NFL. A lot of interior guys win. He can play multiple spots. You never know. Value value added. I I think the number is going to be fifteen for Ohio State, and I. I tend to agree with Bill that it'll be four. Uh, I, I, I'm really just like dumbfounded by some of the projections that have eight. I, I think that they are <laughs> they're part of the problem. We talked about this during the NFL draft process, how long it's gone, all the crazy feedback and agents and you know, input that people get in their decisions. This starts a year in advance for these guys who are draft eligible. It puts them in horrible spots. If you're 
I don't want to keep using the same guy as the example over and over, but if you're Tyleek Williams, you come out of spring and it was like, I used to, I used to be lazy. Maybe I'm done with that. I, I struggled with my weight. And then somebody puts out something out into the atmosphere that he's a first-round draft pick. It's projected as one right now. Like That's not reality. And I, I hope that that doesn't – again, that's one specific example, and it's I, I shouldn't just keep using that one over and over. But like for any of these guys, like Jack Sawyer is not a finished product right now. And if they go into this offseason, you know, hearing that or taking it seriously, and I'm not saying that they will or that they have, but this process starts like the day that the 2023 NFL draft ends for these 2024 guys. And there's like no reason for it. Like, what's the value of a 2024 mock draft other than us getting some content out of it and talking about it? Like for the people that are actually involved in trying to make informed decisions about their careers and their livelihood and their profession. Like it's just filling it's nonsense. It's filling their head with something and be like, well, this guy, they, they told me that I needed to come back, but I was projected as a first round draft pick. Like, no, you weren't WalterFootball.com said I was a first rounder. I got to go. Yeah. I think it can cloud the mind quite a bit and maybe uh, potentially uh, obscure people's path to what they actually need to do to get better. If you're thinking about something that is, completely subjective and a year away from being anywhere near reality. And for guys, like you said, like Tyler Williams, like Jack Sawyer, who have clear questions about their game and their ability to be consistent and productive, like how does that actually help them uh, in, in what way? Now, I guess there is the off, off chance that someone can use it as just pure motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in the, this era of college football player, this era of college athlete, more often than not, these kids are buying into the hype that they're already done when they're just getting started, uh, as opposed to using it as motivation to say, I'm going to make sure I live up to that. Because you you are a player at Ohio State. You're a top 100 recruit in the country. Now you're getting paid on NIL. Uh, you take this little blurb to anybody who's willing to pay you for NIL and say, future first round pick right here. It <laughs> says it. Give me more money. And like that's cool if you can get it, but I don't think that it, it really does them a service um, as they work toward getting to where they want to be. But bottom line, I guess uh, none of that will matter until next April. You know. Hmm. Well, it's Friday will be fun. Friday is going to be wild. <laughs> let's yeah, let's have another circus with twenty five dudes working out and ten thousand scouts so that you can't even move around. I'm already just fired up for it. Let's skip all the all the goods parts of just. Com- watching Ohio State compete for a national championship. Uh, I think that's my main takeaway, though. All that stuff has to be uh, a product of what happens between, you know, as mentioned on Monday, like the, the summer actual off-season conditioning program starts next week. Uh, Ohio State has not won the rivalry game in three years, uh, once through no fault of their own, twice through the results on the field. They haven't been back to Indianapolis for the Big Ten championship. They haven't won a national championship. Like, if if they're worried about mock drafts in next April, they're not going to accomplish the things that they set out to do in the first place, which is that get Ohio State back on top of the college football world. So, um, I'm glad we can worry about it, though. Yeah, well, that's yeah. what that's what we're here to do. We worry it's about a week of fantasy. I mean, you're going to Disney. What's more of a fantasy? What happens at Disney World? It's my fantasy. That's not my or, fantasy. Or or, or, or <laughs> eight first round picks for Ohio State next year. What? No. Giant walking talking dogs or eight first round picks at Ohio state because you've got to be goofy. If you actually believe that right now, you like that. That's a bar. Goofy's not allowed to talk. What? Mm. 
Pluto's one talks. Well, Pluto's I don't think not we're, a planet anymore. Is he still a dog? I don't think we're allowed <laughs> to walk up to the cartoons and talk to us. Like it's like mascot rules. Hmm. Brutus isn't having hmm. conversations with you on the sideline, is he? What do you guys not talk me. about? <laughs> I'm not going to pretend I've never had a conversation with Brutus. Okay. Do you guys talk talk about how Brutus looks like Thad Mata? <laughs> Once we did. <laughs> and he agreed. And Brutus did too. <laughs> well, it feels like I got a Freaky Friday episode in me here at the very end. I, I said no shenanigans, but everybody here knows that that wasn't going to be reality. Uh, thanks for joining us and spending a part of your week with us here. Uh, and it's definitely part of your morning or whenever you listen to the podcast daily. We appreciate your support uh, for Bill and Berm. I am Austin. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week with these two guys. I will see you next Monday.